always wanted to travel the world? Well, good, because we're taking you on a one-of-a-kind world tour of Europe, North America, and the Middle East. Stopping off at Devo Team offices along the way. Excited yet? Get ready for this nine-country world tour across Denmark, the Middle East, Belgium, the Czech Republic, Spain, France, Mexico, Germany and the UK. We'll hear from a Deva Team family member from each office who'll give us the lowdown on what it's like to be part of the Deva Team family, exciting projects Deva Team are working on and what life is like in each individual country, the culture, the people, the spots to visit and most importantly, where to go for the best food. Got your bags packed? Let's go! Welcome to Devo Team N Platform's Travelling Postcard Series. I'm Katie Flammen, and today we're heading to Belgium, specifically Brussels, the capital. What we need is someone who knows all the hotspots for living your best life in Brussels – Someone who knows all the best places for food and drink, music, arts, all the cool spots that only the locals know. And luckily, we've got Saki joining me on today's podcast who can share some of that local knowledge. Saki is a ServiceNow Senior Consultant at Devo Team and joined two years ago. Welcome, Saki. Thanks for taking time out to take us around Brussels and Devo Team. Thank you so much for having me, Katie. It's a real pleasure. So before we get into the meat of everything, I've got some fun quickfire questions for you to help us get to know you a bit better. Are you ready? Sure, let's go. Okay. Can you, first of all, describe your Devo Team office in three words? I would say friendly, fun and spacious. Okay. And if you could work in another Devo Team office somewhere in the world, where would it be and why? Probably it would be Devot in Paris because it's our headquarters and they also speak French. <laughs> okay, easy to communicate, sensible. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so really fast now, beach or slopes? Definitely beach. Is that because you grew up near the beach? No, it's mainly because since I was a kid, we always summered in Greece and these beautiful beaches. So for me, beach is the, the representation of summer and freedom. Lovely. Um, okay, comedy or horror? Comedy. Tea or coffee? Neither. Actually, I usually drink a glass of water. Really? Okay. Can you give me an idea of three things you like to do when you're not working? Well, I do like to go to exhibitions. I love to do city trips and, of course, drinks and dinner with friends. Okay, we'll get into a bit of that later on, I think. What kind of exhibitions, though, before I move on? Usually art or jewellery. Okay, aha. Uh -huh. In Brussels, when you're not at exhibitions, where do you like to go to eat? Do you have a favourite restaurant and maybe a favourite dish? Well, I have a nice Thai restaurant a bit outside of Brussels where they have really, really nice Thai food. But lately I discovered a really nice place close to my flat, actually, and they serve delicious pokeballs. Mm, that's a good discovery. Has, has that newly opened up or you only just found it? I just found it, actually, but they, it was a sushi bar and they just started doing pokeballs about uh, six or eight months ago. So, yeah, it's a fresh, a fresh new discovery. It's very exciting when you find somewhere delicious near to where you live. <laughs> True. <laughs> so I'm also interested to know about classic Belgian food. Do you have a favourite national dish? 
Well, I don't have a real Belgian dish that I that is my favorite, but I can tell you that the Belgian typical dish is mussels with fries, which is moule frite in French and looks a lot like your fish and chips. Okay, but you're not Belgian by nationality, are you? So do you personally have a favorite national dish? Uh, true, I'm Greek. And my personal, it's always French fries, to be honest. Anything with French fries. <laughs> That's like international, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and are you a cook yourself? Well, I'm not really a cook, uh, Katie. To be honest, I'm super lucky to have my mom living close by. And she, she really loves to cook. And she always prepares me nice Greek dishes. That is amazing. Well, maybe we can pop around to see your mum a bit later on, get some lunch sure, at your house. Sure, <laughs> She'll be delighted to show you her, her culinary skills, actually. Okay, back to the quickfire. Which TV series or show are you watching at the moment? Well, Katie, I'm a huge Friends fan, so it always plays in loop at home. I always have an episode playing somewhere sometime. But uh, lately, I finished the season three of Afterlife. I really love Ricky Gervais' style and Ricky Gervais' humour. And uh, right now, I'm trying to catch up on This Is Us. Okay. A lot of drama. Yeah. Um, are you interested in music? Do you like to listen to music? And what type? Mainly, I love electronic music. But as a youngster, my background is more rock music. So I might say that my favorite band in the rock uh, scene will be Radiohead. And the electronic scene, it will be Bob Moses. Okay. Thank you. If you ended up stranded on a desert island, what three things would you definitely want to have in your bag? Okay, here, please don't laugh. Sunglasses, sun lotion and a hammock. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I think that's brilliant. A lot of people might say they want ways to escape, but you're embracing the whole desert island experience. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Make the most of it. <laughs> Very nice. So you've managed to get off your desert island. Where are you going next on your travel bucket list? Well, actually, I'm going to go to Lyon in France in a couple of weeks. Lovely. Well, have a great holiday. Thank you. I will go and visit my godson, actually, in, in, in Lyon. So really happy to, to see him. Oh, very nice. Great. Well, let's start with your story, because I know you've lived in quite a few different places. So I think we should start at the beginning. <laughs> um, you were born in Belgium and were raised there. You speak French, but your family's from Greece. Is that right? Yes, exactly, uh, Katie. So my family's from Greece, but I was born and raised here in Belgium. So I do speak French and Flemish, which are the two lang main languages of Belgium. But I also speak Greek and, of course, English. Okay, so four languages. And you've lived in a lot of different places, haven't you, with, with different jobs? True, true. So to be honest, I joined Devo Team about two years ago, as you said before. But actually, my background is a jewelry designer, and I also taught jewelry design in a school in Greece. So over the years, I actually lived in London, in Brussels, in Amsterdam, and in Thessaloniki in Greece. Fantastic. And it's really interesting to me because Devoteam is a tech company, and being a jewelry designer, it seems to me to be poles apart, but you're from this very creative background. So can you explain more about how you got into the design world and how you feel that creativity in your heart fits with what you do now? It's quite a big question, sorry. <laughs> sure, Katie, no worries. So yes, indeed, creation was always part of my world. And even as a teenager, I was playing guitar in a rock band here in Brussels. So I was always attracted to all sorts of art. But regarding my introduction to the design world, it was about 22 years ago already. 
As a young Greek born and raised here in Belgium, I always dreamed about living in Greece. So when I was around 23 years old, I decided to go and finally fulfill that young heart's dream. So once in Greece, I found myself working the summer season in Neparos, which is an island. I don't know if you've been there already. No, I never have. Tell me about Paros. <laughs> it's a beautiful island in the Cyclades. Usually everyone knows Mykonos, of course, because Mykonos is like, you know, the most renowned one. Paros is really close. It's on those, the same set of islands. And I was there working in uh, as a bartender, actually. And on uh, one evening, I just met this couple, a really nice uh, couple. And uh, by discussing with them all night long, I discovered that he was actually a jeweler. And he had a jewelry shop in the island. And uh, based on this really nice evening that actually we spent together, he decided me to offer a job. And I worked for him all summer at the end in that jewelry shop. And that really was my first introduction to the jewelry world and the design world. So you had your introduction to jewelry and, and then you loved it so much, you became a jewelry designer. Exactly. After the summer season ended, I decided to go back to Thessaloniki and study jewelry in a, in a jewelry school, uh, which was for four years. And on the fourth year, I was lucky enough to be proposed and to be offered a position as a teacher, which I did for eight years. Gosh, that's amazing. And since then, I can say, Katie, that I've been immersed into the art and design world. Okay, so I'm still not sure how that fits with changing into the job that you do now <laughs> can you help us along that path well let me explain you a bit more so after that in 2011 um, i can say my first switch of career and i went to live in amsterdam so i stayed there for about four and a half years and during that time i worked in the pharmaceutical industry so yeah, big switch, right? From designer to, to pharmaceutical, but also in a renowned GPS company as a tech support and trainer. Ah, that tech word has finally appeared. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But I think IT's always been a bit of a big part of your skill set, hasn't it? True. Although I really had a nice and diverse work experience as being a trainer, teacher, jewelry designer, and uh, a pharmaceutical order management person, uh, I can say that IT has always been part of my life. And even back in the days when I was actually a jewelry designer and a teacher in jewelry, I was the first teacher in my jewelry school to embark them on the 3D models and CAD design in order to create the digital prototypes and then print them. So we were using back then a, a software that was called JewelCAD, which was like the first ever software to create jewelry on a, on a, on a 3D scale and through, through a computer. And based on that, we created the prototypes on, on, a, on, a, on a computer. And of course, we could print them in a kind of wax, which is the, the prototype model that we use in jewelry. And based from the wax, we could then melt them and do silver or gold a replica of the prototype. Wow, that is so fascinating. I, mean, I think when people think about a creative industry like jewellery design, they might not consider the, the technology side of things and 3D printing and, and stuff. So I think the dots have now been joined up for me. So thank you for that. <laughs> no worries, no worries. You move from the Netherlands to Belgium and now you're at Devo Team. So it's about time. I think we should take a deep dive into what it's like to work at Devo Team and specifically in Brussels. We do want to know everything. We want to know what the culture's like, all about your colleagues. But first of all, let's start with your morning routine, Saki. So can you tell me how you begin your day? 
Honestly, just between you and me, please don't tell anyone. Of course not. I'm not a morning guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so usually my day starts with a nice hot shower and I get ready for my day. For us in Brussels, we had till a couple of weeks ago a mandatory work from home policy, so no travel to the office. The only traveling I'm, I'm doing, to be honest, is from my bed to my desk. Ah, so you're still working from home. You're not in bed right now, though, right? You are at your desk. I'm at my desk. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so what time do you start after that very long commute? And what is the first thing you do? <laughs> well, my morning at my desk starts around 8.30. Uh, I'm checking my emails and any chats sent out during the previous evening from my customers or colleagues. And then it's followed by your daily stand-up with or without the customer based on the day. We have some days with the customers, some days just the team, just internally in the team. Uh, it's our first check of the day to inform team members and the customer about our progress on the project, the blocking points, the various topics regarding the project that need to be discussed with the customer in order to advance. Then, as a business analyst, I usually have some virtual meetings scheduled with various roles on the customer side to discuss, challenge, and get input from them to translate them into a story. So a story is a part of the Agile model in ServiceNow. Okay, so could you explain exactly what ServiceNow is for anybody listening who might not know about it? Sure, Katie. ServiceNow is a cloud-based software as a service. It has a workflow automation platform that enables enterprise organizations to improve operational efficiencies by streamlining and automating routine work tasks. I know, right? In a more friendly explanation, I might say, it's a tool that really helps the organization to, uh, to organize themselves internally and to be always on top of their work thanks to a centralized, actually, tool that is connected with all the users of the organization. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's automating everyday tasks to cut out inefficiency. And exactly. And the main point is that automation, Katie, well, well said, is really that, that automation of a, a redundant uh, work task that can be simply and nicely automated and that can really help the, the work and the organization to, to really focus on things that matter. I see. Okay. And you talked about translating the issues that the customers have into a story. So can you explain what a story is and, and what True. that means? So a story is a way to get inputs to be implemented into the system and to be able to add this push into sprints. So it's part of the agile model and it's what it's the new way of working in IT. So what once the story is created, it can be translated and uh, sent to my developer who can understand what are the inputs of the customer and he can then implement on a test environment and my customer can see the result and test it on that test environment. If he agrees, we can then push it into production and make it live for all the, the people in that organization. Okay. So you use the word sprints there. Is, is a sprint like a kind of test run? No, a sprint is a period of time, like two weeks, and every two weeks we have a sprint and the stories need to be implemented during that sprint because at the end of the sprint, we need to push them in prod if the customer agrees of the testing. Understood. Okay. Well, ServiceNow sounds brilliant. It sounds like it can do pretty much whatever your customer needs. You can figure out how to do it using ServiceNow. So, Saki, what is it that you like about ServiceNow? It's such a powerful tool that really revolutionized the way enterprises are working and it helps you work better. Plus, since the COVID crisis hit, it has been the one tool that every enterprise that is doing change management needs. 
And I think all the companies are very lucky to have you guys as experts to be able to help them there kind of panicky crisis moment. I sure hope so. <laughs> I sure hope so. So, Saki, I know you're working from home. How do you find remote working? Well, to be honest, Gary, it's been already two years now, so we get used to, and it, it's, it's part of my new day-to-day -day life, actually, right now. So no, no real worries here. Okay. And do you think you will end up heading back to working in the office soon? Well, actually, we're starting slowly, uh, Kerry. It's, it's about a time. Huh? It's been two years already. So we're starting slowly, slowly to, to get back to, to work. But for now, it's like one day a week only, which is uh, mandatory, not even mandatory. And we try slowly to, to bring back everyone back to the roots, back to the office and work again together, indeed. When you are in the office, what's it like? Funny thing here, uh, my brother's office are really nice, as I say, but during the COVID crisis, we had a fire. So we're looking for a new place now, actually. I hope that the new place will be even friendlier and even funnier and spacious because, yeah, we're all excited to, to get this into to this new building and get her again all together working the same place. Okay, well, we have done a lot this morning. I think we need to have some lunch. <laughs> for sure, so, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, I could invite myself round to your house for lunch, but let's pretend this is an office day. If we're going out from the office, give me a flavour of the sorts of places we might go. So if we were at my office right now, I will be probably be going to pick up some food around because we're really lucky. We are in a kind of a, a business area. So we have a lot of restaurants and different takeaway spots uh, all around. And usually with my colleagues, what we do, we have a mix between uh, Lebanese, Italian, Japanese or salad. So we always try to mix match those four. And based on the day or the, the busy or not afternoon that we're going to have after lunch, we decide we, with which one we will go at the end. So for the Lebanese, for example, it's really a nice place that the, the, the wife's owner is actually cooking. And every time we go there, we really feel like it's we were home, actually. And, you know, we're just eating at home. Um, the Italian is really nice and good, but we try to avoid it when you have lots of meetings in the afternoon because it makes us sleepy. So we try to avoid <laughs> Italian. Otherwise, for the Japanese and salad, it's always a win-win because we know that with those kind of meal, we can really still be productive all afternoon. How many people are on your team? It's mainly between six or eight people from the ServiceNow team. Is that all of the ServiceNow team? Can you just give us an idea of how many are in the office as a whole? Well, no, my whole team right now, we are about 26 or 28 uh, consultants for ServiceNow. Okay. So it's quite a big team. But when I started two years ago, we were like six, eight. Oh. <laughs> That's why yeah, we still refer to that small group, you know, the starting point. And now we have a lot of new juniors who joined us the last 12 months. And uh, since with the remote and everything, we didn't have really a chance to go and eat together yet. Mm. Well, I hope when you get your new place, you can go out as a whole big group of 20-something and, um, and really get to know everybody really well. Definitely. It does sound lovely being able to just pop out and eat some delicious home-cooked Lebanese food with, with your colleagues. Very nice and excellent tip, avoiding having pasta if you want to stay awake in the afternoon. True, true. <laughs> well, great lunch. I'm very full. Now it's time to get back to work. So can you give us an idea of a project you're working on now? 
Sure. So right now, my main project is a full implementation of the ServiceNow platform for an IT support provider in the public sector, and more specifically in Brussels, uh, public sector, Katie. It's a very big project that will derive to multiple smaller projects. And for example, right now, we're already starting this next uh, next step, which is to onboard our customers' customers. So yeah, really exciting stuff and really challenging stuff, actually. Wow, that sounds enormous. And what exactly are you personally doing for that project? So my role as a ServiceNow consultant is to understand my customer needs and translate them into the ServiceNow platform by configuring the platform to our customer's needs, of course, but while we realign him to the IT model, because as you know, the IT model is kind of our Bible as IT, and we really have some processes that are set up and clearly defined in this IT model. And if you want to be and work and uh, and respect in the IT world all the service and the support that you, su- you are supposed to, to, to provide, the best thing to do is, of course, to be aligned with that IT model. Okay. And you're also involved with some training, aren't you? So right now I'm helping my sister company in Luxembourg. And yes, it's our sister company because, as you know, here at Devo Team, we are a big family and we help each other on different projects. So they asked me to take over on all training sessions and material to be provided to their customer, which is a player, a big player in the telecom industry. And uh, right now I'm back to my roots training and sharing knowledge, which is great and so fulfilling, Katie. You know, it's uh, it's like a back to the future kind of way. You know, it's like you're advancing in front, but you you keep coming back to, to what you really like and what is really the roots of your of your skills and strength. And uh, thanks to Devo Team, of course, who always recognize people's talent and they always propose projects that are in line with our skills and strength. It seems to me that Devo Team really does treat its employees as individuals. And I don't know if it's the company as a whole or the managers within the company, but they seem to really be able to capitalize on everybody's unique strengths. They've obviously looked at you as a former teacher and kind of recognize that in you, Saki. But is that your favorite thing about being a Devo Team employee? I'm, I'm kind of curious to understand why you really value this company. Of course, the fact to be working for a company that really appreciates its employees and push them forward in their career is really important for me. But also as a ServiceNow consultant, I'm even more excited to have joined Devo Team, which right now is leading the Belgian market for enterprises that are doing change management and need to implement ServiceNow. So I'm really uh, grateful to be part of that big player and be really on the, on the top leader in the market with the Devo Team on that product, which is ServiceNow, of course. Okay, that's fantastic. I'm just going to go back to something you said a little bit earlier on, because perhaps we weren't totally clear where you were talking about aligning the customers with the ITIL model. Yes, ITIL model. Yes, indeed. Could you just explain a bit more about the ITIL model and why it's so brilliant? The acronym first is the meaning the Information Technology Infrastructure Library. So it's a set of detailed practice for IT activities such as IT service management, uh, IT asset management, IT operation management. So it's like uh, the Bible with all the processes for how a company should treat their IT uh, structure 
in a, in a correct way. And to be honest, Katie, the ITIL model was actually born in England about the time of Margaret Thatcher. The English people were the first who proposed this kind of process because they realized back in the 80s that we were starting to get more and more involved in that new digital world and the PC was like the new brand new thing that just arrived. And the, and the, the government was already thinking about, okay, you have a new tool arriving here and we need to put some rules and some processes to be followed like that. We're sure that we implement correctly this new tool that will arrive for everyone. And today, 40 years later, you see, it's still our Bible in the IT world. British people do like rules. That's true. Uh, it looks like. <laughs> it sure looks like. <laughs> well, we're nearing the end of our day here in Brussels and it's been so busy. Thank you very much for sharing all of this with us. Now, I'd like to know what you're going to do at the end of your working day. Do you do anything in the evenings or anything special on a Friday to mark the end of the week? Give us a flavour of what you might do in the evening. Uh, well, Katie, since we've been pretty much working from home since f- like forever, you know, it's always, almost been two years now, our manager decided to create a repeated event every other Friday to have a virtual drink all together. So it's a really nice meetup that we do all ServiceNow uh, consultant, the whole team together. It's usually at 4.30. So it, it helps us also close the day a bit earlier. So it's always nice, of course. Are you going out for dinner in the evening? So, yeah, usually after that on the Friday evening, we do either meet up with some friends and have some drink and dinner. Otherwise, if you are in Brussels, Katie, you have a lot of things to do. You have in the center, of course, quite a big, busy night life. But also we have a nice club in the center of, uh, of Brussels, which is called Fuse. It's a really nice venue. It's one of my favorite venues, actually. I've been there many times to to watch and listen, of course, to my favorite DJs. And uh, if you're into clubbing, I definitely will recommend it to you to come in Brussels and, and have a night at the Fuse. Brilliant. And if I wanted to have a more chilled evening, can you offer sort of the the opposite of the Fuse experience? Yes, of course. There is another really nice place here in Brussels. You know, in Brussels, we have canals also. It's not as beautiful as the Amsterdam canals, but we still have like one canal that is passing by the center, actually. So there is a nice place around that canal. It used to be an old customs uh, warehouse. So they used to uh, unload from the boats all the merchandise and they were checking as a custom, you know, they were checking the, everything if the, the paperwork was correct. It was, it was, it's huge hangars and they redesigned them, recreated them as bars, shops and galleries. So you have this huge space, huge hangar and you can go there, sit in a cafe, order a nice gin and tonic and just watch an exhibition in a gallery. Maybe that would be next door or have a quick go for, a, to do some shopping two doors next. So it's a, it's a really nice place to just sit, relax and enjoy your Friday evening. That sounds absolutely perfect. Thank you very much. I will see you there. Well, as you know, this episode's part of a series where we're travelling around some of the Devo Team offices on a nine-country tour. We're finding out what it's like to work at Devo Team, but also how that changes depending on where the offices are based and getting a feel for working in different countries. So we've invited each team to give a gift to their colleagues in another country and also to ask them a question about what it's like working there. So, Saki, are you ready? I've got your gift for you here. It is from Dirk and he's from the Deva Team Middle East office in Saudi Arabia. And he has sent you a traditional Arabic coffee pot called a dalar. I know you don't drink coffee, but I'm going to tell you what Dirk said because I think you might appreciate the sentiment behind it. Yeah, great. 
Dirk said he chose this gift because it's synonymous with the country and its people. It sums up Saudi Arabia and our Devoteam family as few things in life compared to the friendliness and hospitality that you experience in the Middle East. What do you think, Saki? Well, that's very sweet. That's very sweet. And I really thank our Devoteam family from the Middle East for that nice gift. And for sure, it is really a nice gift. And as you said, I'm not really a coffee or tea drinker, but I definitely would like to try a nice coffee from this nice fresh blend made on the, on the Dala and have a nice coffee. I will definitely taste it. That's fantastic. So thanks to Dirk for that uh, beautiful gift. We'll make sure to let him know. Now, Dirk actually had two questions. The first is whether you have plans to visit the Middle East, and if not, why not? But his second question is more work-related. He wants to know if you could change one thing in your office to make it a more dynamic and innovative environment, what would it be and why? For the regarding the first question, it's true that I don't have any plans soon to visit Middle East. And to be honest, and I know, don't judge me, I never traveled outside Europe till now. I know, I know, right? But I will definitely put it in my list because I really love the Middle East region and I know that they have such a rich culture and such a rich history. So I would love for sure to, to be able to, to have a visit down there. But uh, as regarding now the second question, one of the things in our office that will make it more dynamic and innovative, right now we're looking for a new office, as, as you just said, because we're trying to move in a new building. So I would love in our new building to have a more colorful and uplifting open space for us to just to gather and discuss outside of our, our open space where we actually work. But mainly, I would love to, and I don't know if devotee will listen to, to that uh, little wish of mine, but I would love to have kind of a recurring art exhibition, actually, that we can travel from team office to another team office. And like that, we can really bring some art into our world because I find that it's really relaxing, especially when you have a stressful day, you know, just to go and sit and maybe just contemplating a painting for 15 minutes, it can really relax you and you can get back in work and get back to your productivity and get back to, to, to your customer with a more uplifting mood and uh, things like that. So I would love, if it's possible, you know, to, to make interaction of various artists. For example, we can have some Belgian artists in, in Belgium or French artists for the French uh, office and then make them travel around and really like that, all the devotees can really discover, you know, and be part of that art world. I absolutely love that idea. They've got to go for that idea. It's brilliant. I hope so. I hope so. It can be so nice. So... Our time in Belgium is really sadly coming to an end. And next on our tour is the Devo team office in Prague in the Czech Republic. And Saki, you've prepared a virtual gift for them, haven't you? So can you share with us what did you decide to give them? As you know, Belgium is well known for its beers because, of course, it's beers. But Czechs also known for these beers. So... Except for the beers in Belgium, we have also our chocolate. So what I would like to send them as a gift is a big family-sized box of our best chocolate here in Belgium, which is at the Belgian Pralines, and they're called the Neuros, and they're really delicious. So I really hope they're going to enjoy it. That is an amazing gift. I might pass it on. It's going to be tricky to resist, but I'll probably give them the chocolates. I'll add a small box for you, Katie, on, oh, on the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, you've also got the opportunity to ask the Czech team a question, and we're going to hear their answer in our next episode. So what would you like to know about the Czech Devo team family in Prague? Nice. So the question that we'll ask to our Czech Devo teamers is regarding something really close to my heart, the training sessions, of course. So I heard that they have a ServiceNow training center over there, and I would love to know how big their training team is. And of course, what certifications the trainers have over there for that training center? 
Great question. We'll find out the answer in our next episode. Well, thank you so much, Saki, for sharing your day with us. It's been brilliant to visit Belgium and absorb all that local knowledge you shared around the food and drink and hear what it's like to work in Brussels and be part of the Devo team family. No problem, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Well, that is all from Devo Team N Platform's Travelling Postcard series in Belgium. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Join us on the next stop of the tour, the Czech Republic, where we'll be taking a quick tour of Prague. See you there.